There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a bi-week edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Gentry Estes, columnist for the Tennessean, joined by... Eric Backrack, Titans, beat writer for the Tennessean. And we're Talkin' Titans here on a week where... Finally, they get a bye week. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a been a kind of a long long season so far. Uh, they were probably overdue one, but uh, we're, we're going to go over a few things today. There there was some news that we had in the Tennessean here Wednesday morning. Titans are announced this week a rather large upgrade to their facility in Metro Center. Uh, they're going to have essentially a new building and completely overhaul the, the building they have now. The renderings we've seen, artist renderings, look pretty impressive. This they is do. a project that's going to take at least two years. Significant investment in the team, significant investment in the city. What's kind of your, your thoughts on on them essentially doubling down on on the area? Yeah, you know, I think, I think number one, it's something that they, they had to do just from a logistical standpoint, because since Amy Adams Strunk has become taken over as, as the team's controlling odor in 2015, the Titans organization staff has grown by 50%, which is obviously a really encouraging number. You, you like to hear that. And so just from a space perspective, they needed more room. And by doing this, they kind of get everybody under one roof. They had uh, their ticket sales group was working at Nissan Stadium, and, and they even had a couple of, I think it was something like 15, 14 or 15 employees working at, at a different space in the Metro Center neighborhood, which is where St. Thomas Sports Park is, just because they ran out of room uh, in the current building they have. So this was necessary, and, and as, as you mentioned, I think, again, it just kind of points to Amy's investment in the team and uh, just the Titans sort of plan to stick around in Nashville for, for the long term. Yeah, you know, I... I- I don't think anybody really questions that, you know, but it does seem like given the Titans history as a franchise, the, the way they got to Tennessee mm-hmm. and the fact that there, there's a list of teams in the NFL, you know, are never going to go anywhere because they're so such traditionally set in certain areas, you know, Steelers, sure. Packers, you, people, people know that the teams I'm talking about, Titans aren't one of those teams. I think some of that has to do with the history and also the size of the market in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So when you, when the topic comes up of, well, who could move? I think people out there speculating would fall on the Titans. So I, I think these assurances are important in, in that situation to, to let everyone know, no, you know, they're, they're staying in Nashville. That's not something that that's really an issue and probably won't be for a while, given what happened. Uh, you know, the, 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 the moving forward with an expensive project like this, right? I, I completely agree. And um, you know, the Titans are not the Packers or the Steelers, and and for those reasons, I think, as you said, I think these types of things are important, and uh, for the fan base, it's it's reassuring. And and I'll say too that this this isn't. It will affect the football operations in subtle ways, you know, more meeting space, coaches' offices get bigger, they'd be a little nicer for the players. But I feel like they've kind of already checked a lot of those boxes with some of their work. A lot of the work done to this point in that building has been with the player it's facilities. The weight room, the training room, uh, the bubble, room. the locker room, even the cafeteria this past offseason, which has was uh, just a complete overhaul from, from what it was. No longer cafeteria food, so to speak. It's It's... You know, this really good stuff from from everything I've heard talking to players. Um, you know, they've got vegan meals. They have healthy snacks, 
pretty much anything they could want as far as uh, putting good stuff into their bodies available to them at that facility when, you know, it, it previously wasn't. So all the sort of renovations to this point uh, have been more of a of an urgent nature when it comes to the football side of things. And this is more, as you said, it's, it's uh, I guess, maybe a little bit more cosmetic for the team. Right. And, and for the functional nature of the of the franchise as a whole i think this is important for mm-hmm. the space reasons you talked about and you know it, i i think you you get numb to this a little bit with colleges because there's an arms race at the college level to to constantly be doing this with your facilities to recruit to impress recruits more than anything else uh, because you're constantly having to sell what you're doing in a recruiting sense you don't necessarily see it as much in the nfl level because you, they don't have to you know and so the fact that I think the Titans are, are, have been willing to continually invest to improve things for their players like this, it, it isn't a given that that would happen. I, I think you can't take that for granted, and I don't think the players do. I, th- I think whenever you talk to the players on this team, past, present, whatever, I, I do believe they feel there, there's there's an admiration I think for what what Amy has done mm-hmm. with this team I think they and you you see teams that that don't necessarily have that with the ownership that it can be contentious pretty easily given the nature of the business it's, and, it's just not the case here everybody in that building loves Amy for you know uh, just who she is but also for for what she's doing here and you know I spoke with Kevin Byard on Monday not about the the project itself this this latest project because that that news hadn't gotten out there yet, but just everything that sort of ownership had done to this point or uh, to uh, the point of, of earlier this week as far as all the upgrades they're doing. And, and you know, he, he very explicitly said it, it really clearly shows uh, the belief that ownership has in, in what the Titans are doing here. And, and that means a lot, you know, when you come to work every day at the same place and you see, uh, you know, all these improvements going on around you. It lends to, to long-term success as far as just sort of the, the atmosphere, the culture, I think. Yeah, uh, this this all was, was probably good news for, for Nashville when it comes to uh, their NFL franchise future. Mm-hmm. All right, we're, we're, we're going to move on and, and talk a little, little bi-week. Overachieved, underachieved. Eric and I both went over this. We've got some players. we got five five players and or position groups or, or five five things mm-hmm. that we believe have overachieved about the Titans this season five that have underachieved it seems that's it seems about right for a five and five team yep it's, it's been so far this season it's been good not great but you go into the bye week off a pretty significant win over the Chiefs I think that was a potential that could be a season changer for this team it would have been a season ender if they lost it I think I think so too and to be able to pull that out uh, you you could see a team making a run with that kind of uh, momentum switch it's in some ways Eric I think it's almost bad they had the bye week this week coming off that yeah but because you never know what a team's going to look like coming out of a bye week, i.e., the Saints losing to the Falcons. Sure, but at the same time, to to go into the bye week off maybe the the week uh, nine loss would have been, you know, that would have been tough too. It's a lot. The, the, the mood around the team was a lot better on Monday than it had been in a while. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they really. They needed that. They know they've got time to rest up now, uh, and it's listen. It's it's a really. A tough road to the postseason you know not even talking percentage and odds wise they, they just have a really tough schedule their last six games you know when it comes to the saints the texans twice the colts the jaguars 
even going out to California to play the Raiders, that's that's a looks you know tougher and tougher as as the season has gone on. So you know it's going to be tough, but they're alive. They gave themselves a shot. All right, we'll run through these fairly uh, fairly quick. You want to start with overachieved or underachieved? Let's go with overachieved, just because uh, we're coming off the win. All right, first on the list, it's a pretty obvious one. Ryan Tannehill. This is the guy who started the season as the as the backup. You weren't even sure you were going to see him, and now he's arguably one of the more valuable players on the team. The the one one stat that that sticks out to me the most of of all the Ryan Tannehill related stats is. Uh, since he's taken over as starting quarterback in Week 7, 10 for 10 in the red zone. The Titans are, as a team, Tannehill has thrown six touchdown passes in the red zone. He's also rushed for a touchdown, and Derrick Henry has the three other touchdowns in the red zone. He ran it three times in. So they're just they're, they're playing with confidence. There's a belief in that huddle now, you know, where earlier in the season it, it just seemed like the, the entire offense didn't have that at all. And, uh, you know, I think he's given them reason for, for hope. You, know, you mentioned the red zone. I mean, when you can't reliably kick a field goal, that matters. <laughs> that's that's we'll, true. We'll, well. we'll get to that here in a minute. But I, I, also for overachieved, we're going to say all the tight ends other than Delaney Walker. Not mm-hmm. to pick on Delaney, he's been banged up. He, right. But uh, when he was out there, he wasn't producing the way you would probably expect. And I don't know if that was health reasons more than anything. Delaney's getting up there, and, and he's he's got this lingering ankle issue. And I think that's that has just been. It's been the biggest part of, of his 2019 season to this point. That said, Johnny Smith's had his moments. It seems like every game you'll see the tight ends get involved mm-hmm. where you're like, wow, who's that? Yeah, and and listen, this was a big thing for them down the stretch last year when you had Delaney Walker out. You had even last year Johnny Smith went out. He's healthy now, but he, he you know missed the uh, last few games of last year with an injury. And you had Anthony Ferkser step up. You had Michael Pruitt making a couple of big plays, and those guys are back this year, and they're doing it again. You know, Ferkser had the touchdown catch this past week, and he, as far as, you know, pass-catching tight ends go, he's about as reliable a set of hands as, as there is. He's he's just really good. You know, that, that part of his game is really sort of sculpted as a pass-catcher. So he's he's a weapon there, and as you mentioned, John U. Smith has kind of made an impact here since Ryan Tannehill has been under center. And Michael Pruitt has, you know, done a lot of work as as the fullback running in front of Derrick Henry. So that, that's been an important part of their operation as well. So I, I, I certainly agree. I think all all three tight ends, you know, after Delaney Walker have, have overachieved to this point. And if you look at it, there's been a, there's been more than one game where the Titans have targeted the tight ends more than they have the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty surprising when you consider how this is kind of a no-name group, but that's what we're doing here, right? Overachieved? These guys have overachieved for mm-hmm. sure. Um, another one, going over to the defense, I wanted to uh, – to, to give a shout out to Rashawn Evans, who I think is having a, 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 a really strong season. Every week, he is among the team leader in tackles. He's all over the place. He's near the ball. And I, I know Rashawn, a lot was expected of him, but I feel like he's taken significant strides this year, also given the fact that Jam Brown has been hurt and you haven't noticed it as much, I think, because Rashawn has, has been so impactful and then this last game with Kansas City they don't win that game without him returning a fumble and and you saw you saw the speed when he did it too I mean you, South Alabama's won a bunch of national titles guys as, mm-hmm. as they get guys like Rashawn Evans who can run like that out mm-hmm. there on defense yeah you know I, I think I think we could put him in overachieved but I, I still am a little hesitant about that being the word because I think he's a guy that 
you know, for, for taking him in the first round as they did, for seeing what he was able to do toward the end of the year last year, you know, because again, he, he came on late in his rookie season in 2018 because of injuries during training camp, and that really sort of stunted his development in, until the later part of that year. I think his ceiling, uh, we don't know what it is yet. So to say he he overachieved, you know, I, I think improved, much improved is, is certainly fair and and for all the reasons he mentioned he's been a really big part of this defense and again we we don't know how high the ceiling is for him Uh, i think he'll continue to get better i think it's similar for the next guy on our list too and dory jackson was another one that we had put here i I was a little hesitant about that only because i don't think dory had a real good game this last week against the chiefs Mm -hmm. he missed two big tackles against tyreek hill that allowed him to get get conversions right uh, and, and I sit here on our podcast talking about how easy it would be to tackle yeah, Tyreek Hill. No, I but, know. Uh, and, and listen, I, I do the report card every week, and I had to, you know, give a, a grade for the passing defense, and I, I had to give it an F just because you know you're Patrick giving up 446 yards. Yeah, you I had mean, to. But you know, with the sort of caveat that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are, are two of the best, two of the most notorious for for making guys a miss. That that's an assignment that that's going to be difficult every single week, no matter who you are. You know, and and that happened, but. You know, on the whole, I think we're in consensus that Adoria has had a really, you know, solid year. And uh, again, he's another guy that you're you were kind of uh, looking for to make that next next jump, that take that next step as a former first round pick that had sort of yet to arrive at the level that you want to see him playing from week to week. A couple things about that: the Titans seem to bat so much a higher percentage on their defensive picks than their offensive picks. Uh, it is amazing, and, and these guys are all. Harold Landry's another one that it, these guys are all starting to become the players they were supposed to be. And in Jeffrey Simmons' case, I think he was right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, even coming off an injury. And, and I think in Adoree's case, it, he's in a secondary with some very good, experienced players, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably helped him. I think he's in a really good position. I think this is a, a situation where a talented youngster has learned a lot being around guys like Logan Ryan and some of these, some of the guys in his his. Uh, his room and I think Adoree he's a talented guy he has not he's not been a liability with that group this year and I think with Malcolm Butler's injury he's going to be a really big part of the uh the push here late in the the season he's going to have to be Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think he's especially with with no Malcolm Butler he's he's got to continue to be to be what he's been you know through the first two-thirds or so of the season the last one on our overachieved list is Wesley Woodyard and uh, that one you know, this is a guy who's had an, an outstanding NFL career, but he he steps in again with with Brown's injury. It's 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 brought Woodyard into the lineup probably more than I think was envisioned when the season first started. Uh, the guys made what might be the play of the year mm-hmm. against the Chargers. That's a they, I mean, Eric. They've had three home wins that if any of those games go against them, you wonder whether what what it looks like. They barely squeak out each of those three wins. But in all cases, they did it with some huge plays from the defense, and and that play against the Chargers with the fumble was was massive. Yeah, and and again, Woodyard is a guy who I I believe was uh, led the team in tackles last year. He's certainly top three. I know Jam Brown was up there last year as well. As you mentioned, a really sort of productive NFL career. But this year, he just you know the Titans all offseason sort of spoke about having three starting inside linebackers, or at least three starting caliber guys at that position with uh, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, and, and Woodyard. But Woodyard, you know, kind of was the, the odd man out, understandably so, with uh, Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans 
emerging two young players and, and Woodyard sort of at the other end of the spectrum when it comes to where he is in his career. But opportunity gave him a shot and he's, he's sort of proven to be just as effective as he's been in years past. And he's been a really important part for the Titans as far as what they're doing on the field. And, you know, off the field, he's, he's, I think there's a case to be made for him being as important a guy mm-hmm. leadership-wise as, as there is in that locker room. You know, the, the Titans' defense, they lack the superstars, you know, I think around the league. You mentioned the Titans' defense, and there's a lot, you know, guys – there's not a name that come a name or two that comes to mind immediately, like a Miles Garrett or somebody like sure. that. But guys like like Woodyard and and really the ones we've mentioned here uh, are why that defense is so good because they they don't really have a weakness well, and they're able to withstand some injuries. And in the case of Woodyard and Adoree Jackson, I think those two both are, um, are are doing that right now. They they've allowed them to to be able to do that without missing too much. We, we've we're gonna get to our list of underachievers in a second and and we were kind of talking before and how how tough it is to find any underachievers on that defense just because they're all they're also you know they hold each other accountable and, and everyone really there has been solid to this point a yeah, collective group mm-hmm. all right the underachieved list well if we led the uh, the overachieved with ryan Tannehill, guess who we lead the uh underachieved one with yeah it's got to be mariota you know, and I, I think the fact that Tannehill has played so well kind of further accentuates what Marcus was unable to do there at the For start sure. of the season. I think it's a fair question at this point now to wonder why he wasn't, why Tannehill wasn't the guy from the start because there's been so much of a discrepancy between the two. And I think you credit Tannehill for that, but you got to say Mariota had his chance. He did, and, and he was the first, you know, he'll be the first guy to, to say that. He did say that in the locker room after. Ryan Tannehill was named a starter, and and listen, I, I I think his his confidence was was a bit shot toward the end there, as far as what he was able to do. Uh, you know, by the time he was benched, in between week six and seven, he just, you know, he looked so far from from what Titans fans saw in 2015 and 2016 as their quarterback. He, you know, he's just taken a few clear steps back, and he's he's got to top this list. I for for the rest of it. You know, I thought about just just putting wide receivers, all, all of them. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, but you know, maybe AJ Brown doesn't belong there. Maybe Tajay Sharp doesn't belong there. Yeah, I think both those guys are, are clearly not there. And Khalif Raymond, I think, is starting to step up and, and do some things sure. now. And so that leaves us with Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, mm-hmm. and, and kind of in tandem is is underachieving and. Look, Corey, we've talked about this a lot. He gets knocked for a lack of production in the passing game. He's very good as a blocker. He's a he's a complete receiver. He's when it comes to doing all the little things that people don't notice. But the problem is most people who are NFL football fans play fantasy. Mm-hmm. And every year it seems like Corey Davis is well, this is the year and I'm not sure there's going to be a year for I, big listen, time production. I, I drafted him this year in a couple leagues thinking exactly that. And I think Adam Humphreys was similar. Yeah, I think people saw him coming to Tennessee, being in the slot, and really being able to, to to flourish in an offense that would use him in such a role. They threw a game-winning touchdown pass to him in that, but for the most part, even with Tannehill, we haven't seen it. That was that was his first catch of the game, first target of the game, first target of the game. How does that? Happen? You go a whole game, and meanwhile, like I say, they're throwing all these tight ends we mentioned earlier. I, I don't see I don't think this is schematic at this point, Eric. I think these guys just aren't getting open. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. And and listen, he's gotta be on this list because he gave him a four year, thirty six million dollar deal in the offseason to to sort of 
be the guy for, for an offense that, you know, was severely lacking in, in slot production. Humphreys kind of seemed tailor-made to, to boost this offense just with what it was on, with with Mariota under center. He seemed like a perfect fit. You know, when, when they brought him in here, he's, you know, I, I think everybody lauded the move by, by John Robinson just because, again, he's a guy that, that really fits or would seemingly fit into this offense, but just it just hasn't worked out to this point as far as production goes. And, yeah, he he's, he's squarely has to be on the underachiever list. We're going to – two others that we've put in tandem on this list are pretty obvious probably to our listeners, and uh, uh, and they're on the offensive line, the left side of the offensive line, and Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold. I think both these guys are getting lit up right now on social media. I think that was pretty obvious by Saffold tweeting after the game yep. that he feels like the most hated member of the team. I, I get it. I don't think he played that bad, actually, against the Chiefs. Yeah, he, he had a better game, and he's he's been better since you know a really slow start to the year. To me, it, it honestly kind of reminds me of what Malcolm Butler did last season. He had a really, uh, he struggled uh, a lot in the first half of 2018, only to sort of come back and, and settle in and, and play really solidly down the stretch. I think we're seeing a little bit of Saffold, of that from Saffold right now. We'll see if he could keep that going. But when you're a big name free agent like that, and yeah. you're getting a lot of money, and, the and there's a lot is, of hype, warranted, yeah. And and you see that with him that. I do think he's playing better, and I think he's settling in a little more. And you could see the frustration where he probably came out of that game. It's a big win for the team. He probably felt like he played pretty well, and all of a sudden he's, he's just getting lit up on Twitter. You could see right. why he would be frustrated yeah. with that because he probably was feeling pretty good at that moment. Uh, Lawan's case, it's the, it's, it's the penalties. I mean, he, he owns up to it anytime you talk to him. It's um, I don't know what else to say about that, really, except he needs to stop pushing people after the whistle and holding in key moments. It, listen, it just hasn't been a, a great year for, for Taylor Lewan, you know, from getting suspended through the first four games and, you know, really costing his team there by violating the league's policy on, on substance-enhancing perform or excuse me, uh, performance-enhancing substances, you know, between that and, and these penalties. He's got nine gentry through. Uh, key moments six, too. Six, key moments. Third down. Games. There was a big drive late in the game. He had a false start. I don't think anybody else on the Titans has six. He's got nine, and he's played four less games than anyone else. Four fewer games. So yeah, not a great year for Taylor Lewan to this point. We'll see what happens in the last six games. Still, still six games to go. Still the bye week to uh, to work on stuff. Lewan said he he might not even hold his wife's hand to practice not holding. <laughs> it's. Taylor can talk. <laughs> he can. He, he, he can talk. But, um, you know, I think these next six games, we'll see what happens. But I just don't know if you can call him an elite left tackle in the NFL anymore. Yeah. I mean, from from what we've seen this year, he, he, he certainly hasn't been elite. I think that that's, you know, stating the obvious and stating the absolute minimum. I think that what you said – might be stating the most, but it's to me it's it's not that big a reach. We'll see where we are in, in seven weeks or so from now, but certainly trending that way right now. All right, the last two, uh, we, we focused more on areas that have underachieved. As Eric said, we really had a hard time picking an underachiever on the defense because there's not that, – that's a defense full of overachievers a lot more than it is underachievers, and they're just solid. They've, re- they've been really good mm-hmm. in most areas. But we kind of focused on the pass rush as being a little inconsistent – uh, there are several guys they rely on for that, and they flash from time to time. But anytime you're coming off a game in which Patrick Mahomes throws for 446 yards, and it was pretty comfortable doing it. Yep, they didn't really get after him very much, and that and that's against a Kansas City offensive line. They they did at times, I should say, but that was against a Kansas City offensive line that had all kinds of injuries and they were banged up, and there was kind of a makeshift thing the whole game. 
And, you know, this is a bend but don't break kind of defense. And some of that is because they rely on the secondary and, and the sacks are what you would call coverage sacks mm-hmm. in a lot of cases because the secondary is so good. Would you would you agree with that? I would. And, and honestly, a lot of a lot of the sacks come out of the secondary, you know, themselves on, on whether it's a corner or safety blitz. Secondary, yeah. secondary is good. Secondary secondary, it, it all starts with the secondary. You know, that is the strength of the defense, which is the strength of the team. I, you know, I just think if, if they had somebody on the edge, some, you know, dominant, impactful force, just, you know, what the ceiling could be for this defense. It would to me it would be top five easily, but they they just have sort of been lacking that. That's that's the one uh, sort of gripe you could really have with with the defense is just that they, they're sort of lacking that really dominant presence on the edge. You know, Harold Landry has sort of had he's had a good year. I think he he has seven sacks, but it it, it kind of feels like a, a quiet seven sacks, a quiet good year for him. You know, and I, I still think he's got his potential to reach. I think he's still developing and you know he could maybe become one of those sort of feared guys in the league I just I still don't think he's he's quite at that level yet for all the defense has they they lack the the game changer at that in that role right now right and and the and, Titans are they're, you know listen they're still hoping that Harold Landry becomes that I think he's the most likely yeah and he still still has that in front of him and you know I, I don't mean to knock what he's done through the first 10 or so weeks of this he's he's had a good first 10 weeks you know seven sacks is is way more than the production they were getting out of their outside linebackers last year with Brian Arakpo and, and Derek Morgan and you know represents you know a significant improvement from his from Landry's year one to his year two this year so he's he's playing well he's trending in the right direction he just isn't that you know pro all pro type name that that really kind of brings fear to an opposing offense he's he's not there yet and without sort of you know anybody in that role uh, that that's really to me the one area of this defense that stands to improve a little bit yeah, and I, I think Cameron Wake was was brought in to to, to kind of help with this and after a, a very strong start for him in Cleveland it's it just he's he's been banged up and it just hasn't been consistent yeah, I mean he's, he's 37 years old I think percentage wise he's played something like 17 percent of defensive snaps the past two weeks which you know it, it's honestly hard to have a game-changing impact when you're only on the field for 70 17 percent of mm-hmm. defensive snaps there's only so much you can do in that role. You know, I think to his credit, he's been really effective in, you know, the moments he's had on the field. It, it just, like you said, he's been banged up a little bit recently. Uh, he's 37. So the, the ceiling there is is not quite as high as, as it once was. Well, I tell you, though, if you get that kind of guy who can just wreck shop on an offense, the Khalil Max of this league, it, 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 other than a quarterback, that to me is the most – valuable thing you can have is somebody who can go get back there strip sacks th- things that change the games instantly yeah and and even their depth guys have been you know not not quite as impactful as, as maybe you would hope with reggie gilbert Sharif finch kamala correa they've they've all kind of had their moments but the group as a whole still is, is as you mentioned kind of lacking that that dominating force and, and we'll see if howard landry could get to that point but it's again it's the one area that if you have to point to anything on the defense that isn't, you know, operating at at an elite or at least close to elite level, that might be it. All right, the last one we've got for underachieving is the kickers, and we're not pointing to one; we're pointing to three <laughs> because they've had three, and none of them have, have really done that great a job. Yeah, I mean, Cody Parkey was, you know, not bad. He was, he, I think he was only there for two games. Was or was it, was it three games? I think he was out. I think he was on the team for one game where they didn't use him. Right, the shutout. Mm-hmm. 
It's been bad, Gentry. Uh, still 7 for 15 on field goals this year, which is far and away the, the worst conversion percentage for a team on field goal attempts this year. Ouch. That's You know, the big one was, the first big one, I guess, was was the Cairo Santos 0 for 4 game. And then, you know, you had Ryan Suckup miss three field goals uh, a couple weeks ago. So it's it's really been sort of a thorn in their side, just sort of the lack of confidence when it comes to putting a guy out there even for you know a a 40 something yard field goal there's just there's just you know no confidence right now and in suck up in the kickers all year uh suck up also missed an extra point this past week against the Chiefs. so it's been a season-long headache for this group and and certainly underachieving after you know suck up has been i i think the stat is he's he's the most accurate kicker in titans history or at least he was before this season, you know, he was just somebody you could sort of count on and, and was easy to take for granted just with how reliable he was. And uh, I think all of that sort of works to accentuate how, you know, how bad it is right now. There are so many kickers that are either in the league or close to a job or, or good enough to kick in the NFL, but there are so few that you would just count on more. Just automatic, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the Titans just haven't had it. I, I think Cairo Santos was probably the best they've had this year for a while. Uh, he was doing pretty well until that Bills game. But then when it fell apart for him, boy, that was that was it. It had really fell apart. <laughs> and you know, Parkey wasn't even around that long, but he 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 wasn't. I think he, I think he went 3 for 3. Uh but again, you know, suck up the reason why he's he's still with the team after all these years is because he was you know, he was that guy. He was the guy that you could rely on for, you know, kicks inside 50 yards, automatic, didn't have to think about it twice, you know, maybe three misses a year, something like that. You know, he's had, he had three in his 2019 debut. So we'll see where it goes from here. But to this point, certainly have underachieved. You know, and if you're a dominant team and you're just blowing people out and, okay, the Titans are not a dominant team. They they consistently play close games one after another. They they have at home now for the last month. You got to be right at kicker. You got to yeah. you got to you got to be better than they've been there if they're going to continue to 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 hold it up, hold up in close games. Because they they've got the other you know portion of their special teams tripod so to speak or, or other two. Bo Brinkley is pretty good as the uh, lawn snapper and, and Brett Kern has been great punting the ball. He's he's been punting at an all pro level this year. You just need, you know, if not that all pro level consistency from kicker, you just need some consistency. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this edition of Talking Titans on the bye week. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. And for Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes. We'll see you next time. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.